everybody welcome into a special edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here with Stuart turley for our weekly recap uh it's a busy week Stu. man we had a lot lot going on uh, it is i am so glad that the week is done yeah no kidding we had a, a, a massive um amounts of stories guys we talked about the grand canyon trying to mine uranium off of them uh Stuart, a great solo show i took a little bit of a, a vacation day a lot of earnings and i mean things are just getting crazy with esg Stu. it's hard to stay hard to keep it, up to speed. We're seeing it going around the world. People are tired of paying high price for energy. We're seeing Indonesia cranking out coal mines. Coal's king again. And I'm going to be visiting coal. with some coal experts in the next few weeks. Yeah. As always, guys, www.energynewsbeat.com is where you can read all of these stories. Um, hit the description below for all the stories, but I'm going to turn it over to the team in the weekly recap. We'll see you Monday, folks. California and New York could miss their 2030 climates and still bankrupt the energy sector. This is really important from the standpoint that emissions and net zero are going to happen because of, Michael, natural gas. Yep. It's the only re- the EIA, my beloved government, has already said that California and New York, two national leaders in the effort to curb global warming, could miss key 2030 climates, according to the state officials. It's a sign that even the states most aggressively pursuing the plans to reduce carbon emissions and ramp up clean energy development are struggling to meet tough demands. You know why? Why? It doesn't work. I, <laughs> I, I I'm serious. I I have been uh, pleading for folks and uh, Margaret uh, and and her husband George. I asked for folks to give me stats on wind farms and solar farms, and George has uh, absolutely uh, stepped up and gave me some really good numbers on the profitability of wind farms. And I'm going to go through it with him because we don't want to release anything without his permission. I'm only, Michael, you've heard me say this. I've only found eight years uh, that the wind farm is profitable due to tax subsidies. This number in here, California officials increased that emissions a reduction target, though not legally to 48% last year. New York also mandates that 70% of its electricity come from renewable sources by that year, with California requiring 60%. Michael, Texas passed California. Energy per kilowatt hour in Texas is one half of California. Do you know why? Why? We use all forms of energy in Texas. I am proud of Texas. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love me some Texas. Oh, it's true. I mean, to think about Texas has like 30% of its energy come from wind and solar. It's because we use all forms of energy. And California imports 70% from Ecuador uh, on the rainforest from China. There's some energy hypocrisy. There was another article that came up uh, that Ecuador is finally fighting back. They're finally getting some uh, bows and arrows to stand up to the CCP. So it's pretty interesting. Now, California is going to squeak. But anyway, I thought that was... You read into this article, which is by this... 
Sacramento be? And it seems to all come down to this debate between the cap and trade program. It, you know, you have on one side, you have the economists who all stand beside saying, hey, you know, this is this is the program that we need to embrace. We need to embrace one level of emissions, hand out permits accordingly and allow the free market to trade them. You have the environmental justice crew talking about, well, that number's too high. Well, we don't need to tr- we, we don't need to encourage pollution. We do encourage no pollution. And every policy that we create should be designed towards curbing pollution, not necessarily allowing this shift in pollution. You know, they argue that you know the argument against cap and trade is that co- one companies will learn how to game the system. That's true. When there's ever a market, people attempt to game the system. And two, the most vulnerable communities are going to end up still having the pollution because you know, the more expensive and wealthy communities are going to be able to afford to buy and 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 force and companies with permits are going to move continue to flock to those places where more permits are able. So I I see the arguments there. The problem is what the environmental, what the airboard is pointing out is that we're not going to be able to get there at the current technology rate. There has to be a huge increase in technology and a huge increase in the amount of permits being approved. That's the other thing that the environmental justice community is solely against permitting reform, which is, I'm all for permitting reform. Let oil and gas go quicker. Let wind go quicker. I don't care because when you have competition in a free market, the best and most least expensive product wins. And as we always say, it's all about the lowest kilowatt per hour. Who cares where it comes from? I don't care. And And the least impact on the environment and the least impact on whales and eagles. I know that you throw up every time I say that, but uh, you know the the other part of this is I'm visiting with Larry Glover from the Glover Group, and he is talking about uh, energy inequity and diversity. And you nailed it that the poorer communities are getting it in the drive-through, and that wipes me out. It's the it's the one downside. Even as someone who would prefer a cap and trade, how do you set rules? Right. That- fairly monitor it's like the SEC people don't believe that the SEC fairly monitors the stock market they try they do a good job do they do a great job no they don't so it'd be the same well, issue with cap and trade well uh the other thing is when you sit back and take a look at uh where all this is going the permitting reform you mentioned is critical 8000 renewable projects before 2020 were being held up by permitting now we're at 8 15,000 to 20,000 wind farms, solar farms from being connected to the grid. They're yep. sitting there going, well, I guess we're going to kill a few whales and uh, uh, eagles until we get connected to the grid. I don't know. And battered and demoralized the truth about Ukraine. You know, uh, Putin called the other day and he was like, dude, uh, I, I have a uh, imitation between the Sopranos and Elmer Fudd. And uh, he thought it was funny. But here we go. Uh, Kiev's officials are warning the West that a massive Russian attack against their own demoralized, fractured army is imminent. McGregor notes that this is always Moscow's strategy to allow the Ukrainians to exhaust themselves in a fruitful offensive before mounting a renewed attack. Michael, the NATO and the U.S have poured billions of dollars into this because Russia had actually outplayed chess in the energy space. This all started because of energy. 
uh, Russia has about 750,000 troops right behind that line. Mm -hmm. They have lots of ammunition. The United States has no ammunition. We've given Mm -hmm. it all to Ukraine. So our leaders are complete knuckleheads. And I I hate to do this, but guess who's going to get hurt on this? The German, the EU. Everybody is coming in and NATO needs to go away. The vast dilution is a form of utopianism, uh, an obstinate instance where the conflict, morality, and militarily is the liberal wishes it to be, the idealists. There was a total peace deal that Kiev wanted, and U.S. Uh, dropped it out. I just also watched some other films. Have you seen the cotton picking uh, videos of cave and, and what's going on right there? No, I have not. It looks better than New York city. I would rather go at, take my wife out to cave in dinner and have a very enjoyable evening, knowing that I'm not going to have anybody crap on my sidewalk in front of my dinner. It is beautiful. Everybody's out. The beach is out. That's not a war zone. So this is all a bunch of hoo-ha, and it's the energy market that is getting clobbered. Yeah, so. it, all, it all does come back to energy. I think this article does a good job of, of kind of, of laying those pieces out. I think you've done a, uh, an above average job of covering what's going on with Ukraine. We're flying around the corner to Indonesia's coal burning hits record high. And nickel, green nickel is largely wine. Indonesia burned 33% more coal in 2022 than the year before, contributing 20% increase in the carbon, country's carbon emissions. Um, they are trying to rebuild their economy by boosting energy. And it's the same thing that Germany is having is their economy is faltering because manufacturing is not capable of keeping up. So the data shows the country coal consumption may to be the highest by a very large margin. It is also looking with increases in oil is up 12% and gas 1.2%. It is uh, amazing that they're having to resort to coal. None of the world's top 10 largest emitters have seen growth in 20% in the last 15 years. Coal is king again, as Michael would say. So when we take a look at it, you cannot go to uh renewables without a plan we can't get to carbon net zero without a plan you cannot cut out renewable or fossil fuels to just turn 100 percent to renewable energy tomorrow we need nuclear we need solar we need wind but we got to do it in a responsible way using coal nuclear uh, nuclear Uh, Natural gas and oil. Natural gas is by far the cheapest and least impactful on the environment. Do you have any other information that you would like to discuss on the podcast? I want to talk to you. I want to know what you're thinking. Grand Canyon Monument won't end fight over uranium mining. 
You know, you can't buy a good Grand Canyon story. I rappelled into the Grand Canyon in college, had these mules running up and down the thing. It was never mind. Oh, I'm regressing. OK, if President <laughs> Joe Biden creates a national monument around the Grand Canyon, that doesn't mean the long fight over potential uranium mining in the area will end. This beloved President Chowderhead President Chatterhead, we could use that. He is traveling to Arizona where he actually inter- was interviewed by Michael, the Weather Channel. I am serious. Hard-hitting interview by yep. the Weather Channel. Biden has faced increasing... I'm glad pressure. my grandma saw that interview then. Ooh. Do what? I'm glad my grandma saw that interview then. Oh, my goodness. Every grandma in America saw that interview. In recent months, a coalition of bipartisan lawmakers and tribes, including the Hazapawai and Hopi, have pushed the administration to reach the 1.1 million acre, I, I don't even want to pronounce this, the Baja Nuevi Yucato Grand Canyon National Monument. Um, so so let's, let's stop. Walk me back here, Stu. So I assume the area around the Grand Canyon is rich in minerals is that basically yeah, what's happening uranium. here and there's a new and and so what there's this new bill that's if you establish a natural a national monument or a national park you then can't necessarily drill that is that or mine it is you that can't open my what's going open on? mine that is correct and the open mine in there is uh uranium here he is he's saying yes we want nuclear and then no we're not going to mine and the area that they're talking about, after being in the Grand Canyon, you can enjoy the beauty from the bottom looking up. It is spectacular. We need to guard that. I'm not saying that that is not something we got to guard. But where this uh, proclamation in 1996 barred new mineral leases, mining claims, prospecting or exploration activities. They're reaching way outside where they were already approved for mining. So what they're now doing is they're going, oh, we want these other million acres over here. So it's unlikely that any existing claims would be valid. So they're going retro. Here's the and this is this highlights the unfortunate truth about the energy transition and specifically the move to renewables under the current, you know, solar, wind, EV battery, all that, is right. that we need minerals. People want, they don't want, it's, it's the old adage with, um, with homes, not in my backyard. Everybody wants, EV, everybody wants batteries. Everybody wants a Tesla until the mine's got to now come in your backyard. Well, I don't want the mine there where the uranium is. So this highlights an interesting conundrum that we're, I don't think anyone really knows how to solve. And it's why up until now, we've been okay outsourcing that to other parts of the world, China, Africa, eventually to support the amount of, you know, minerals that we're going to need. I, I, I happen to know a little bit about this subject. The amount of minerals that we're going to need is going, we're going to have to come here home and get them at some point. We're going to, we're not going to, and if, if China controlling 90% of the critical minerals market, if we, for, for right. the eventual war that we're, that our, our leaders tend to, you know, want to get us in with, you know, World War Three or four, whichever one we're going to get in with China, right. we know that's coming, you know, no one, nope. You know, when, when, when that happens, we're in trouble. So 
that's what I think that's what this article, in my opinion, highlights specifically is, okay, well then we're not going to get your rating from the Grand Canyon. Cool. I think we should keep the Grand Canyon as a national monument. You don't have to. I've on that train. I like the Grand Canyon. I'd never seen it with my own eyes. The problem is you start doing this to every single place. You're going to run out of minerals. So where's the medium? Here's the, here's the gotcha. And I, since I have been at the grand bottom of the Grand Canyon, uh, many, many miles repelling in, love it. The problem is the United States gets 60% of its uranium from China, Russia. Oh, yes. Who bought most of our uranium supplies? Russia. Russia. Guess who sold them to Russia? Bill and Hillary Clinton. I am Mm. not kidding. So when you sit back and take a look, we now have a place that you can you can actually have a uranium mine and it won't impact the Grand Canyon. Let's get to our favorite guy on our favorite random guy on Substack, David Blackman. What's he got? Oh, man, I love me some David Blackman. He is one cool cat. Is the green energy transition falling off the rails? And I I think that there is. And um, Miss Producer, if you could fly in this video, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. This is about a one minute video. So bear with us. For our podcast listeners, you're going to hear the Benny Hill song. And when you're done with it, so bear with us here. It's about 30 seconds to a minute. We'll just have it flying around for a second. So here we go. Now, Michael, how'd you like that trucker and everybody else dragging those people out of the UK? They were people trying to stop oil, just stop oil, and people are tired of it. So this is the UK. David Blackman was talking about a worldwide kind of thing, and I think that video pretty much sums it up, is people are getting tired of it. But David goes in and says... There's much type energy transition is starting to crumble at its foundation. They've seen the following. These are key motor, uh, Ford Motor wants its investors to lose $4.5 billion in 2023. China has commissioned another 50 gigawatts of coal-fired plants. Brits have led by Prime Minister uh, beginning to back away from aggressive transition timelines. They're getting all grumpy, and then people are getting all thrown around on this because they can't afford it. The Scottish government, forced to admit, had facilitated the felling of 16 million trees. You can't buy that one. We had a couple stories go 60,000 views a day on those things. Yeah, that was that's the best article we've ever had on Energy Newsbeat, which was Scotland cuts down 16 million. I remember I was in Dallas moving here. It was a little over a year ago. Right. Uh, Less over a year ago, I remember sitting in the airport watching the stats just go off because we had 100,000 users reading about the Scottish government. So no, I think what what this article does a really great job of Stu, is summarizing how it really in this last couple of weeks, we've seen a huge shift to, you know, what I would call smoke. When there's smoke, there's fire. You're starting to see drips and drabs of people coming out and saying, 
Oh, renewables, this British government, this German coal act, you know, mining for new coal, Scotland forced to admit Japan government firing up coal again, all these little things. And you start piecing the tea leaves together for what could be an eventual swing towards what we've always said, natural gas, which is probably the transition fuel, you know, until we get fusion ready. Well, what we're seeing is there's about two or three things that are coming around a corner that people need to look out for. A couple of uh, articles that I'll uh, talk about tomorrow. U.S. is now looking at a recession by the end of this year, beginning of next year. And the global economy is also looking to roll into that uh, recession period. And uh, when people are starting to get worried about it, the number one reason is energy poor management energy. When people start getting all grumped out and they start getting drug around by the, these truckers in that video, <laughs> it's absolutely a hoot. We're about to see more of that, Michael. And God bless David Blackman. I love David. He has a way of articulating it. Everybody follow him on his Substack. stack.